that means that I'm ch being challenged right now that my healing must be on the way. I, I, my healing must be on the way. My healing must be about to take place in my life. My deliverance about to take place in my life. He must get ready to pay off all my debt. He must get ready to prosper and be in hell, even as our soul prospers. He wouldn't just, God would not send that word unless he get ready, to, his word get ready to come to pass. And his word cannot return back to him void, but it shall accomplish everything he's sending out to do. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound Broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Those who have their Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and verse 2. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and verse 2, which reads as follows. Moreover, brethren... I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you also are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. There is some, to me, words that we need to grab a hold of as we go through this particular message. I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 1, notice that when Paul was ministering to the Corinthian church, he said, this is the gospel which I preach to you. Now, when Paul preached the gospel, it was up to the Corinthian church to receive it, to receive it. And then when they receive it, they had to stand on it. And I believe truly we can learn from this particular message or what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church that when the gospel is preached to us, we must first of all receive it. Receive it. When we receive it, we're going to stand on it or put it into action. And when you do that, you make this de declaration. I must hold fast that word. I must hold fast that word. What word? The word that was preached to you. So based on that, I want to talk to you from that, this topic. I must hold fast that word. I must hold fast that word. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, for allowing us to celebrate your resurrection. Father, there's some people in the world that have no idea about your resurrection. They have not uh, been in the church or even been, re the resurrection has not been revealed to, uh, to them. But Father, it's been revealed to us. We have a greater understanding of your res resurrection because of your word. Now, Father, even after we go through this message today, I pray, Father, we have a greater understanding of why we believe in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we bind the enemy right now that would try to stop or hinder our receiving your word and putting your word into action. And, Father, we bind the devils, cast them out, spirits of distraction, sickness, disease, and so forth. We thank God for your anointing this morning, your awesome power, how you've already ministered and continue to minister in this sanctuary. 
Now help me to feed your sheep knowledge and understanding of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. Hold fast means to remain tightly secured. Hold fast also suggests that I'm going to remain or stay in the same place or in the same position and keep the same opinion despite opportunities to do otherwise. The Hebrew writer talks to us about the importance of holding fast and remaining firm in what we believe. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. The book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. And it reads as follows. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So let us hold fast. Let us retain and keep secure the confession of our hope without wavering, without being unmoved. Let us remain firm in the holding on to the confession of our faith. And one of the things I thought about when I was when I was looking at and thinking about holding fast, I had to come to the conclusion that we're holding fast to something that is ever moving. God is a God that is expanding. He's growing in our mind. He's maturing. And we don't look at God the same way we did two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, six months ago, six weeks ago. God is growing in our minds. We're maturing in the word of God. So as we're holding on to him, he is also teaching us about himself. He's maturing us in the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we act. Because God remains the same, but we're changing. Our minds are constantly being renewed by the word of God. And as our mind is being renewed and God is revealing revelation to us, we are in turn holding on to what he reveals to us. So what I hold on to two years ago, I've got to hold on even more this year because I understand that he is a God that is constantly revealing himself to us. And, and we're maturing in the word of God and in the ways of God. And, I, and Hebrews is giving us a specific instructions on what we should, what we should secure tightly and firmly. He tells us to keep secure and possess tightly the confession of our hope. Confession has to do with what we profess to be ours, not just any profession, but as it relates to our hope. In other words, our faith, our expected end, we're holding on to that. The writer alludes to the fact that we might have some obstacles and hindrances in holding fast to the confession of our hope because he tells us to do it without wavering. He also tells us, tells us that we should secure it. And when it comes to God's word, we must be unmoved and firm in what we believe regardless of what or who comes to try and tell us otherwise. And there will be individuals that you will run across that will tell you that they don't believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. They're more concerned about uh, certain things that go along with the resurrection Sunday than they are about the resurrected king that goes uh, on this particular day. 
And so we both got to be confirmed in what we believe. We got to be confirmed, firm in believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have to be firm and fixed when it comes to reading and submitting to God's word, knowing scriptures like Matthew 24 and 35 are true. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. God knows and he gives us a word to help us along the way. And I appreciate that about God. See, I'm more concerned about his word than I am about some of the traditions that go along with this time of the year. I'm more concerned about what God is saying and what I believe and how it affects my life than I am about doing certain things that may come along with this particular thing. I can't allow life and what life brings us to throw me and cause me to be hindered, to cause me to come up short, to cause me to operate in unbelief because I did not strengthen my faith when I had the opportunity. That's why I got to hold on to scriptures like Romans 10 and 17. You know Romans 10 and 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I got to hear the word. I got to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. I'm not just hearing it one time, but it has to be my lifestyle. Now let's go back to Hebrews 10 and 23. Hebrews 10 and 23. The Hebrew writer gives us an important reason or a purpose to hold fast to our confession of faith. And again, I'm going to read Hebrews 10 and 23 uh, to you as we go. Let us hold fast to confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. For he who promised, when he promised, he made an announcement and said, you know, what I'm telling you is going to come to pass. That God who promised that is faithful. He can be trusted on. He can't be relied on. He, that being Jesus, who is our Savior, our healer, our deliverer, our miracle worker, our burden bearer, is one that can't be relied on. And we can put our confidence in Jesus. He is a reliable Savior on this Resurrection Sunday morning. He came to fulfill a promise, and he took that promise to the cross, the grave, and rose again with all power in his hands. Matthew tells us he rose with all power in his hand. Now, this is the thing you got to understand about power. He rose with the power, but he still gives us the ability to choose right and wrong. He gives us that opportunity and the ability to choose right and wrong. And so we, we have that opportunity. We have the ability to choose right and wrong. And so we, God gives us that. And he will give us the Holy Spirit to help us to choose what is right and not what is evil. Truth like this helps us to really understand why we must know and understand God's word as well as hold fast to his written and revealed word. We serve a promise keeper who has power to make things happen for us, in us, as well as through us. Romans 4 and 21. Let's go there quickly. Romans 4 and 21. The Bible says or reads as follows. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform it. 
So, and being fully convinced or persuaded and assured that he who had promised it, he being Jesus, he made an announcement with his word, he was able or he had the ability as well as the power and the might, and he's definitely strong enough to perform it. If God say he's going to bring you out, he got the power to do it. If God say he's going to heal your body, he got the power to do it. If God decides to keep you while he's going to do his promise comes to pass, he's got the power to do that. And many of us know that God has been keeping us as he paid off debt in our life, as he healed our body, as he delivered our minds. He just kept us while he went through the process. Isn't it good to know you got to keep in God? And sometimes God will keep you more than you want to be kept sometimes. I was thinking the other day, man, Lord, let me just go ahead and just tell him a few things. I'm sorry. It wasn't a few things. It was a lot of things. And I wasn't going to tell him in a holy manner neither. I, 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 so I, I felt that. But God was saying, hold on a minute. Let, let me hold you a little bit. And so after he held me, I was calm after a while. And I forgot even why I was mad. And so I know God will keep you. If you keep me, I don't keep anybody in the sanctuary. Anybody in the sanctuary. I mean, look around. You know, all these folks, they this holy week, but you know, they ain't always been holy. So, you know, hallelujah. I appreciate the fact that he keeps us. And so I thank God he does that. Whatever promise God makes to us in his written and revealed word, he's powerful, mighty enough, and strong enough to make it happen. He may have to prepare some things to make it happen. He may have to create some things to make it happen. He may have to move or arrange some things to make it happen. Yet, when it's all said and done, I must be fully convinced that whatever God has promised, he is able to perform it. I must make a daily commitment to hold fast to the written and revealed word that I may gain a better understanding of his written and revealed word. Which brings us to today's text. And if you don't mind, you, you remind your neighbor, if you remind them real briefly for me, tell them this. You must hold fast that word. Now, when we hear that, that word referring to a specific word, my rhema word, my tailor word, whatever God reveals to me through this message and other messages, I must hold fast to it. You may hear one thing, but God may give me something different. I have to know what is tailored for me to meet my specific needs and hold tightly and firm to it. You may hear a word that said, you know what? God's going to keep me. You know what? I, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for God to manifest his promise, but I got a word that says that God is going to keep me. I'm going to hold on to that on Tuesday morning. I'm going to hold on to that till Thursday afternoon. I'm going to hold on to that till I see God's word come to pass in my life. I may not like what he, the way he does it, but I know God's going to do it. Now, can I be real with y'all? I'm not really too fun of his ways because God be waiting on stuff, man. I, oh, God, I wish you'd hurry up sometime. Thank y'all for the five amen. I thought I heard an amen on the left and maybe one in the middle. But I want God to hurry up. But God knows me better than I know myself. He knows how to take his time. But you know one thing about God? He's always on his time. Always on his time. You know, we say he may not come when you want it, but he always on time. You know what that means? His time, right? Not your time. That he comes on his time. And I appreciate God doing that because it helps me to be a better Christian. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and verse 2. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you. Notice he preached to them. 
which also you received and in which you stand. So remember, the gospel was preached. We received it, and now we're standing upon it. Verse 2, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. See, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, specifically on the, specifically on the risen Christ and the importance of holding fast to God's word as the means of having strong faith in God. Romans 10 and 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So they were preaching to him. And we see that faith comes, our confidence and conviction in Christ Jesus. It comes by hearing. It happens when we hear and hearing by the word of God. So when I hear the word, I understand that something is about to happen in my life. I know that when God gives me a word and I hear a word coming in on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or my devotion time, I know that God has something he's going to bring in my life. And when I come in on Sunday morning and receive his word, my confidence increases. Okay, okay, God, pastor talking about God going to heal my body. That means that I'm ch- being challenged right now that my healing must be on the way. My healing must be on the way. My healing must be about to take place in my life. My deliverance about to take place in my life. He must get ready to pay off all my debt. He must get ready to prosper and be in hell, even as our soul prospers. He wouldn't just, God would not send that word unless he get ready, his word get ready to come to pass. And his word cannot return back to him void, but it shall accomplish everything he's sending out to do. So I got to hold on to that. I got to hold on to that. Somebody say, hold on to that. See, and I want to hold on to his word. I want to hold on to his word. I want to hold on to what God says. I want to hold on to that. And so when we look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, moreover, brother, he's talking to the brethren. The brethren are the fellow believers. I declare to you, I make known to you for you to recognize to you the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, which I preach. Notice Paul said, I preached it to you. I proclaimed it to you, which you also received. And then not only that, you stood upon it. Thank God that they pre-preached it. And not only that, they received it. And now they're standing upon it. And so I I need to know when it's been preached, I need to receive it, and then I need to, uh, uh, excuse me, stand upon what he has proclaimed. Paul was letting them know that I've been preaching to you the gospel of Christ, the same teaching that Jesus preached when he was on the earth. Paul made it clear that I came to teach you the same teachings that Jesus taught when he was on the earth. That's why they got to be careful that we teach and preach what God preach. That's why Matthew and Mark record Jesus consisting teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Matthew 4 and verse 23. Going to look at two scriptures in Matthew 4 and verse 23. I want you to notice what Matthew 4 and 23 says. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Now, that means that God healed every sickness and every disease that came their way. And and let me remind you of this too, that God also heals man-made diseases as well. 
Let me drop that on you real quickly now. God heals man-made diseases as well. So we hear on the news that, that man has made another disease. Don't get afraid. Don't walk around in fear. Oh, what, what's going to happen right here? No, God can heal those diseases just like he healed other diseases that come from other places. God is a healer, y'all. That's not nothing that comes up for God. He got to go through a whole six-month process and try to figure out how to heal your body. God knows exactly when it comes up how to heal your body. In fact, as soon as you make the request, he's already got it going in process. Oh, thank you, Lord, for healing our body. Notice he healed every sickness and every disease that came up. He didn't go around asking nobody's opinion about should I heal them or should I not heal them. The Bible says this, that he healed all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. And they didn't, listen, they had so many they couldn't even name them. <laughs> they had so many sickness and so many diseases they couldn't even name them. But God says he healed every last one of them. So you got something you're going to bring to God he can't handle? I doubt it. I doubt it. God is a healer. Let's go over to Matthew 9 and 35. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. No, he's still preaching the gospel of the kingdom. But notice what he's doing after he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So he's healing everything. He, not one thing God is not healing. But notice what he's doing. He's preaching the gospel. Thank God he's preaching the gospel. For he, they need to realize that it's Jesus that's healing their bodies. And not medicine or any other thing. It's Jesus that's healing their body. Yeah, if you take a pill and God uses it to heal your body, that's fine. But you need to know Jesus is the ultimate healer. Let me say it again. Jesus is the ultimate healer. Let's go to uh, Mark 1 and 14. Mark 1 and 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So each time we read here, Jesus is preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So Paul is very specific regarding the gospel. He makes a distinction among other teachings that they may have heard in the past or currently here. So he says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive and in which you stand. Notice the process of the gospel at work in our lives. He lets the believers know, I proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of Christ. You accepted it and obeyed the, the teaching which I give given you. Not only that, you're standing firm and becoming more established in the faith. That's what Paul lets believers know in Corinth, as well as us here at OCC, that the gospel has the power to save. He's got the power to deliver. He's got the power to protect, and he's got the power to prosper. That's why it goes on in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 2, by which also you are saved if you hold fast. Hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Notice if you hold fast, if you secure tightly and hold on to the word which I preached to you unless 
you believed or had confidence in vain, without purpose or without success. Paul is telling the believers that on this Resurrection Sunday that the gospel is which I preach to you, that you've heard and accepted has power to change your life for the better. The gospel has the power to deliver, protect, and prosper and heal us in ways that our minds can't comprehend. God is not only healing you physically, but as well mentally as well. That's why the same gospel working on our behalf that delivered and protected Jesus in this sense that he was crucified. He died that we might live. And then uh, he rose with all power in his hand, power over death and the grave. Nothing can hold Jesus down unless he wants to be held. Y'all know Jesus got on that cross. Now, he, they, he, he had to make himself stay on that cross. He could have got down anytime he wanted to. When he got on that cross, he said, hey, I'm going to stay up here now. I could get down anytime I want to. I could come off this cross and, and y'all know he could have did it, y'all. When they were beating him, he could have did like that, boy, and they just wiped them all out. That, I'm going to show you that in a minute, though. He had that power going on inside of him. But he, he, he had to purposely hold himself down. Purposely let them nail purposely. I don't even like get a splinter in my hand, so you know. Let me tell you a quick story about me, and I'm going to tell you how bad I am, and I know I couldn't have handled this cross. That's why you got Jesus, y'all. When I go take my eyes in, they were trying to blow a little, little puff of wind up in my eye. Boy, that's about the worst thing I ever seen in my life, boy. They said, keep your eye open. Let me, oh, let me, put, let me put into your eye. Miss it again. Miss it again. We're going to send you back there to the doctor. <laughs> so y'all know if that had been a cross, I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it, boy. That's why y'all got Jesus, y'all. That's why you praise Jesus. That's why you give glory to Jesus. That's why you magnify Jesus. That's why you love on Jesus. That's why you pray to Jesus. Because he on purpose had to do that. Some people, I, I probably could, if I had to go around and get a sick like survey, some, there'd be one or two people couldn't even take a needle. Couldn't even take a needle. If they give you a shot, oh, oh no, you ain't. <laughs> so you understand, Jesus took it all for us. He took it all for us. He took it all for us. We took it all. Somebody said, thank God for Jesus. Mm-hmm. He consistently lets us know that we should teach and preach what we teach and preach must be according to the scriptures. Must be according to the scriptures. He also lets us know in order for us to be effective teachers of the gospel, we must receive it before we can deliver it. It's important that we avoid getting a surface knowledge of the word, but go forth and preach that what uh, so that we might be called what we call deep truth. And what I thought about, I heard something the other day that I thought was so good. Deep truth is this. When you hear the word, you put it into action. Don't tell me you're deep. And you say you love folks, but you don't, you're hateful and mean and all that kind of stuff. Deep truth is you putting the word into action. Deep truth is this. If you say you love your neighbors, you loving your neighbors. If deep truth is this, you talk about praying, or oh, I'm deep in prayer. But you ain't never praying, you ain't deep. Deep is putting the word into action. If you say you love somebody, I'm going to be with you through thick and thin. 
deep is putting it in action. Let me see, when it get thin, will you still love person A or person B? Listen, deep is putting the word in action. Don't tell me you're deep, but you, you know you can quote 32 scriptures, but can't put none of them in action. You know, the Greek, the Hebrew, and every, the origin of the word and everything. But when somebody asks you to put it in action, you don't do it. You don't do it. You ain't deep to me. Deep is getting the word and say, hey, all right, for God so loved the world. So let me love because God loves. That's deep to me right there. That deep. Will you pass out? Are you deep? I'm trying to be deep, y'all. I'm trying to be deep. Y'all follow me here? Because deep requires something. I try not to use that word too lightly. When I, so especially when I heard that, I had to repent a whole lot of stuff. Because I knew scripture, but it was I putting that scripture in action. That's one thing Jesus always, often get with me. Hey, you talking you talk nice game, dogs, but are you putting the word into action? When you walk off this pool pit right here, are you doing what you said to everybody else to do? That's when you know. All right, listen, you talking about praying, are you praying? You talking about giving, are you giving? I'm not talking about you wishing to give. I'm talking about are you doing what the word says. Are y'all following me? All right, let me move on. In case somebody said I'm, I'm deep. I'm, okay, I'm deep, y'all. First Corinthians 15, verse 3. For I delivered to you. Let me read it, then go back and talk a little bit about it. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So notice this, for I delivered, I committed and presented to you, first of all, that which I also received. This is what I received. This is what I accepted. This is what I joined myself to. Notice this, we talked about this earlier. You hear the gospel, you receive it, then you stand upon it. So now he said, hey, you received it. What did you receive? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. In other words, Paul makes it clear the teaching that I presented to you and committed to you that pertains to the gospel of the kingdom, I received it myself. I acknowledged it, accepted, and obeyed it. I believe that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And in verse 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So he was crucified according to the scriptures, buried according to the scriptures, and he rose again according to the scriptures. When it comes to holding fast to God's word, I must know what I'm securing as my own, what I'm being firm and established in according to the scriptures. Now, why is that so important? Because we were not there when he was crucified on Calvary. We were not there. None of us were there. At least I don't think you were anyway. We were not there. But we believe it happened. Why do you believe it happened? Because the scriptures tell us. The scriptures were written by people who witnessed the resurrection. Let me give you a natural example. When they ask for people to tell their testimony, they want people who were there. They don't want people to make stuff up and talk about, well, you know what? This is what I think happened. Based on this, that, and the other. Now, we need eyewitnesses. A reporter will get information and they will tell you this is what happened at this particular time. Now, 
when it comes to the word of God, I just read to you what Matthew experienced himself as well as Mark, and he told us what happened. So you don't have just any account. You have an account of somebody who was there. You have somebody who was there. See, this makes it more real. This person was there. They saw it. They wrote down what they saw. They put it in the Holy Writ, and God has been bagging it up ever since. And this is why you believe today, because you believe in the scriptures. I wasn't there. I wasn't there when Jesus got up from that grave. I wasn't there when he was crucified. I wasn't there when they did this. But you know what? People that in this earth today, there's some people say, this didn't really happen. How they know it didn't really happen? How they know? They weren't there. They were not there, but yet they were trying to get you not to believe in the gospel. They're trying to get you to say that the resurrection didn't happen. They're trying to get you to believe that Jesus didn't die, he wasn't buried, and he's not. And he rose again. Jesus rose again, y'all. Now, what do you, how do you believe, how do you know, Pastor? I believe the scriptures. I believe the scriptures. And this is, this, this is a decision every believer has to make in this sanctuary. Do you believe in the scriptures? Do you believe what Jesus wrote in his word? We read Matthew and Mark. Do you believe that God is a healer? If you had never experienced before, see, Matthew and Mark are telling us things that happen according to eyewitnesses. They were there, y'all. They were there. You know what? Paul wasn't there. That's why he said, it's according to the scriptures. And so when I tell you, I believe that I believe in resurrection Sunday, I'm going by the scriptures. I'm going by the scriptures. I'm not going by what people say. I'm going by the scriptures. See, this is the thing. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word shall uh, shall not pass away. We believe in God's word. See, this is the thing. When the enemy will try to convince you that the resurrection did not take place, you can say, hold on now. I got the scriptures to back it up. I got the scriptures to back it up. And if I got the scriptures to back that up and you believe that, I believe God can give you peace that passes all understanding. I believe the joy of the Lord is your strength. I believe that God loves you with unconditional love. Why? It's according to the scriptures. See, everybody trying to say, you know what? As a father, we get away from the resurrection. You have a, a solid relationship with Jesus. Because there are people, it's coming to, to social media and so forth, are trying to put things out there. That the resurrection didn't take place. That Christianity is a hoax. I, I read it. I see it in, in my in my uh, social media platforms. I see it there, and I go, okay. See, but these folks don't have the scriptures, and they don't believe in the scriptures like we do. And I, I made a decision that I believe in the scripture. That's why it's important, like Paul said, to hold fast to the word of God. You got to hold fast to it. Because if not, you'll have some individual who ain't even saying, tell you that what happened here did not happen. 
They like like they were there. It's amazing how people will have platforms and they talk like they were there. They talk like they individual like, well, you know, based on scientific research and all kinds of stuff like that. It don't matter. Because science can say one thing one day. It can, it, science only say what man wanted to say. Y'all better know that about science. <laughs> it only says what man wants it to say. So we believe in the power of the resurrection according to what? The scriptures. According to the scriptures. When we talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection, it is according to the scriptures. We believe in what Jesus has put in his word. We believe it. We believe it. I made up in my mind that I'm going to hold fast to what the scriptures say. I'm going to hold fast to it. And you have to in the time we live it in. Because if you miss this, you're going to miss out on so much that the scriptures have to offer for you. You'll miss out on so much. See, I believe Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. Notice Romans 5 verse, Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice what Paul wrote in the book of Romans. He wrote that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, basically. I must know Jesus has power to forgive my sins when I miss the mark or stray from the truth because it's according to the scriptures. Notice Matthew was walking with Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, verse 5 and verse 6. Matthew chapter 9, verse 5 and verse 6. I want you to notice what Matthew was a witness to. Matthew was a witness to this, for which it's easy to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. See, Matthew could not see that after he saw it. When Matthew saw that, he said, okay, hey, that man can forgive sin." Not only that, he got a man that was paralytic, got him up out of his bed, and that man walked home. And that same Jesus is doing the same thing today. He is healing people according to his word. Good God Almighty. If I'm the enemy, I'm going to fight you for the word. I'm going to fight you not to get in the scriptures. Because if I know if you're getting in the scriptures, you believe in scriptures like John 10. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You'll believe that when you give, it shall be given unto you good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom. Why do you believe that? Because you got scripture to back it up. You need scripture to back up every area of your life. If you pray, you need scripture to back it up. When you, uh, when you, Walking down the street, you need scripture to back it up. You need scripture. Why? Because it's according to the scriptures. Therefore, therefore we, we must study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly divine the word of truth. We got to know the res- We got to know the scriptures, y'all. We got to know the scriptures. Tell somebody, we got to know the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Got to know the scriptures. And Jesus is our greatest example of how to deal with life according to the scriptures. Let's go to John 18, verse 1 through 9. 
John 18, verses 1 through 9. When Jesus spoke in these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kedron, where there was a garden which he and the disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and offers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him. Now, that's a powerful verse right there. Don't you ever think that God don't know what's going on in your life? Don't you ever think, well, I, this must be a surprise to God. No. Notice what Jesus said, in, what they said in verse 4. John recorded this. John said, hey, I saw this with myself. <laughs> I, saw, I saw this. You can't take this away from me. He had this one, of course, he had his experience with the Isle of Patmos as well. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that will come upon him, there's nothing that came upon God he didn't already know was coming. Good God Almighty. Hear what I'm saying? Nothing came upon God he did not know was coming when he came. So you think when Jesus came and tempted, uh, excuse me, when the devil came and tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he didn't know the devil was coming before he came? Always understand Jesus knows everything. And he also knows what's coming in your life before it gets to your life. He knows what's coming before it gets there. And if he allows it, he's already given you the victory before we get there. Happy by myself, y'all. You got to know he already gave you the victory if he allowed it to come in your life. That means if it got there and while you're dealing with it, he said, I already gave them the victory. I already gave him the victory. Tell somebody, he already gave me the victory. Mm-hmm. Verse 5, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. And verse 6, now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Can you imagine? He said, I am he. And when they heard it, they fell back to the ground. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. <laughs> you got to hear what I'm saying. He said, I am he, and the people tried to arrest him. Fail. You know he could have stopped them from, from crucifying him on the cross then. <laughs> he had to let them crucify him. Because if he didn't, if he just said, I am he again, with that kind of power, they never could have got close to him. Y'all don't serve no weak Jesus, y'all. Y'all don't serve a little weak Mickey Mouse God. Listen, when he got on that cross, he had to let them crucify him. He had to let him. Because when he said, I am he, they fell back. At, I mean, good God Almighty. Woo. All right. Okay, I'm, I'm getting excited, y'all. Let, let, me get, let me finish up. I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them. Now, not that one fall back. They drew back and fell to the ground. So a group of them came, and he said, I am he. Three words, not five, not ten, but three words, and a group fell back. That's how powerful Jesus is. That's why he said, I better keep my mouth shut, boy. Because if I say another word, boy, these folks going to fall, fall apart. They can't fulfill their part. That's why the enemy tries to stop you from using the word. Because he knows you got power to use the word in your circumstance and situation. 
How many times have you said the word out loud and knocked off demons you didn't even know about? How many times did you knock off sickness you didn't even know about? How many times you knock off poverty you didn't even know about? How many times you knock the weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper? Look, how many times did you do it? Verse 7, then, then, then he asked him again, whom were you seeking? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 8, Jesus answered and said, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these things go their way. That's the only way they could get to him. He had to speak it out, let them go their way. If not, he wouldn't have been crucified that day. <laughs> that, the, that the same might be fulfilled which he spoke of those things you gave me, I have lost none. My next point is this. I must realize that Jesus dealt with questionable people on his team that didn't always act like they had been taught according to the scriptures like Peter. Notice John 18, verse 10 and 11. John 18, verse 10 and verse 11. Then, Pi, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? And then he goes on to put his ear back on, back on the man's ear. He did surgery right there in the midst of all that. Y'all mess, boy. I'll tell you, y'all know who y'all messing with, boy. Y'all don't know who y'all messing with. He cut the man's ear. Peter did. Hold on. Peter did. See, Peter walking with Jesus still carrying the blade. Y'all missed that. I know y'all, some of y'all think everybody walk with Jesus holy, but y'all, some people, they holy, but they got, they still carrying. But we'll, we'll talk about that a different day. Uh, cut his ear off, fell to the ground. Man, Peter, put your sword up. Grab the man's ear, put it back on the man's, and he could hear just as good as he had. Probably heard hearing better. But I don't know about you, I ain't resting nobody that grab an ear and put it back on somebody's ear. I'd be like, oh, I quit right now, boy. I ain't touching this man. I already see him knock down soldier when he says, I am he. Pete done grabbed the sword, cut the man in, then it fell, and he put the ear back on. Now you want me to arrest him? Ha <laughs> ha! I quit right now. I go to farming. I got another job. Y'all can have this, brother, because I know he got some power. Be, y'all, y'all, keep playing with Jesus if you want to. <laughs> keep playing with him if you want to. He ain't nobody to play with. You get caught up in this cartoon, Jesus, you're going to miss the real deal. You're going to miss the real deal. Don't get caught up in the drawer. Understand the real Jesus according to the what? Scriptures. According to the scriptures. Don't, don't look at no picture. I, I, I like the pictures are fine, but don't get caught up in the picture. Get caught up in what the scriptures say about Jesus. Are y'all following me? Let's go to John, same, John 18, verse 15 through 18. John 18, 15 through 18. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, so did another disciple. And that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are also one of the man disciples, are you? He says, I am not. Now the servant and the officers who made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold. They warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And then it goes on to say, John 18, verse 25 and 26. 
Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear, whose ear Peter cut off, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? <laughs> Woo. And then Peter went on. I'm going to read all of it. But Peter went on, cussed him out. And told him, hey, hey. And after he cussed him out, I'm sorry, y'all don't, y'all don't know the Bible like that. I'm sorry. He told him off. Y- y'all better with that then? And then after he told him all, the, the rooster crowed three times. And that's when Peter will. Because that's what Jesus told him. You're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me three times. But you know what? That same Peter was restored back and he preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. I'm talking about that, that Peter that cut the ear on. That Peter that told off those folks. That Peter that denied Jesus. God is a restorer, y'all. You say you did some bad stuff? Everybody have. Nobody in this room is, is, is exempt from doing bad stuff. But Jesus is a restorer. Woo! Let's go to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Notice this. This is what Matthew saw according to the scriptures. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I commanded you and lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what we have to hold on to. I'm going to go over one last set of scriptures in my closing. Let's go to Matthew 23, 26 through 46. I may not read all of it, but I'm just going to give you a clue, a little bit of it. Matthew 23, verses 26 through 46. Now, as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon Aserian, who was coming into the country. And on him, they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus so Jesus was on his way. He, had, he was carrying the cross. They were beating him while he was going and carrying the cross. They, they called Simon because they, he got to the point that he, he barely was moving because they had beat him. He had lost so much blood and lost so much strength. And so now he asked Simon to help him. Verse 27, and a great multitude of the people followed him and women who was mourned, grieved, and they lamented. They cried. They cried bitterly. Verse 28, but Jesus turned to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep. Don't mourn for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For Jesus ministering them. For indeed, the days are coming in which they will say, blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and breasts which never nursed. Verse 30, then they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. Verse 31. For if they do these things in the greenwood, what will be done in the dry? 32. There was also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. When they had come to the place called Calvary, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Verse 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divide his garments and cast lots. Well, Jesus still ministering, ain't he? He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. It takes something to do that right there. They being you for no reason whatsoever. None. None. But Jesus loves us just that much. 
Verse 35, and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. In verse 38, an inscription also was written from him in letters of the Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Verse 39, then one of the criminals who were, who, uh, were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Verse 40, but the other answered, rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Verse 42, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Notice what Jesus did. He stopped dying for this brother. And Jesus said to him, surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Woo! Isn't that powerful? Jesus stopped dying to save a man. And this is what you got to understand. He said, I'm guilty. I did it. And Jesus, hey, Jesus said, hey, I know you did it. But you've asked, God, you've asked me to forgive you. And God, and God forgave him. And that day, he was with Jesus. And what, what's interesting about that, and there's a lot into that, but what's interesting about that to me, Jesus did not get the man off the cross. He did not get him off the cross. He let him go through the process just like he did. But that man had a much better, much better place. Now, I'm going to go, let me go down to verse 43. And Jesus said to them, and surely I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise, 44. Now it was about the sixth hour. There was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. He breathed his last. Something else I want to show you real briefly. In Luke 24, I believe it's 55. Luke 24. Excuse me. 22, 55. And a certain servant girl seen him as he sat by the fire. Oh, excuse me. 23. Pardon me. Yeah, 2355. 2355. I apologize for that. And the woman who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. They saw Jesus' body laying in the tomb. They saw it laying in the tomb. Then the rock covered it up. And so when it covered up, when it, the rock was covering it up. Somewhere in that process, in about 24, Luke 24, the rock was rolled back. And when it rolled back, that person that was laying there was no longer laying there. This is proof that he laid in the grave. He laid. I mean, they, these women saw him laying in the grave. They saw him covered up. Laying in the grave. But when they came back, 
Woo! The rock was rolled back. Not to let Jesus out, but to let the evangelist women in. To say, hey, where was Jesus at? We saw him when he laid him. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. We saw him laying there. We saw him laying on this particular place, naturally dead. Good God Almighty. But now we came back. We can't find him no more. We see this nice little sheet balled up in the corner. And the Jesus that we're looking for is no longer here. And there was an angel up in there. Hey, why are you looking for Jesus? <laughs> well, why are you looking for Jesus? The same Jesus that you're looking for is no longer dead. He is alive. Now, now, let me close the book. I can keep teaching this forever, but I'm saying like forever, but here we are. Let me share this with you. How do we know this? According to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. How do I, why do I believe this? Because the scriptures let me know this. And this is the thing. I choose to believe it. I choose to hold fast to this word that was given unto me. How many choose to hold fast to the word today? Do you believe Jesus was alive? He's alive right now. Now, why you believe it? Because according to the what? Scriptures. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer request and testimonies to our website at OCCVR.org. That's OCCVR.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give text give to the number 770-692-2225 that's 770-692-2225 join us on our youtube channel subscribe to our podcast and connect with us on social media we also invite you to join us in a live service we're located at 3097 south van Wert road in villarica georgia Visit our website for more details at OCCVR.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.